Some of us today are in circumstances where we need to have that experience of eagle's wings and the wind under our wings lifting us up higher. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, let your wind blow today. Lord, I pray that you would, you would raise us up. Well, I just feel so strongly today. God wants you to know that he did not make you to crawl around in the dirt. He created you to soar in the heights. So I just, I prophesy today. I declare today, eagle's wings over you. Let the wind blow under your wings. I prophesy that you'll go higher and higher, that you'll soar above your circumstances, that you'll be near to him, and that he's near to you. Do it, Lord. Do it in real ways, in tangible ways, in practical ways. Even today, make it so. Raise your people up. Take them higher. Take them higher, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would lift them up above uh, work uh, complications and circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would lift them up above family circumstances. Do it, Lord. Lord, there's some of us here today and we're not even sure why. There's like a sadness that's taking root in our heart. Lord, whatever that is, unroot it and take us higher. Let the wind blow. Take us higher. Have your way. Have your way. Amen? Amen. Amen. These guys do a good job today? Doing a great job of your team, Vaughn. Anthony, you sound tremendous on the drums today, pal. I like the cha-cha one. Can we do the cha-cha one again? That was... I wanted to dance with Nadine during worship. Let's take up an offering. Lord, I thank you for blessing us in our lives. It's our pleasure, our worship to give back to you. Receive this offering, multiply it, use it for your purposes, use it to bring glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to the bridge. Some announcements. We have prayer Tuesday morning at uh, Ginny's, 10 a.m. This coming Tuesday night, we'll be at the Spoon Coffee House uh, doing dream interpretation. If you'd like to participate, there's a sign-up sheet on the coffee bar. It was, it's been fun. It took us a few weeks to kind of gain some momentum, but when we were there... Two weeks ago, I think we had eight or nine encounters. It was a really fun night. I was at my brother's, my sister's house in Staten Island yesterday. And, um, I mean, just strange things, Staten Island, right? It takes almost as long to get to Staten Island as it does, you know, to fly across the ocean, I think, sometimes. Traffic on the Bell Park. Anyway, I'm at my sister's house for a family thing. And I meet my brother-in-law's sister, my brother-in-law's cousin. I don't know that I'd ever met her before, so I shake her hand. Hi, I'm Tom. I'm Lori's brother. She says, oh, I've seen you before. I said, you've seen me? She says, yeah, over at the Spoon Coffee House. I'm in Staten Island, right? I was like, the Spoon Coffee? Yeah, yeah, I live in Lindenhurst. And we've seen you guys in there. 
I said, that's amazing, you know. God's funny. I am strange how he does things. So we'll be there again this Tuesday. Um, if you'd like to participate, it'd be great. We could always use some uh, intercessors, and it seems like God's building favor with us and Joe over at the, at the coffee house. It's fun. Um, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, food pantry at 6. Prayer uh, with Maurice at 8. Uh, we had the book club uh, Thursday night, uh, 8 o'clock. This will be our last week of the book club. We're doing the final three chapters, chapters 11, 12, and 13. Um, in a couple of weeks, um, we'll, we'll finish the book club. We'll take a couple of weeks off. Then we're going to do a Thursday night kinship group. I know people have been interested in doing that. We'll do it here. Um, and that'll be at 8 o'clock on Thursday, starting June uh, 13th. Um, it might be a little bit different than we've done in the past, but do you expect anything other than that from me at this point? We'll figure it out. Um, youth group Saturday, uh, 7.30, I think it's this week, right? Tim is going to be doing worship with uh, with youth, so bring your instruments. Talk to Tim for more details. Uh, next Sunday, Doug Addison is going to be with us. So I know some of you have seen Doug on tape. Seeing him live is a whole other experience. It'll be fun to have Doug with us. I was in touch uh, this past week with a friend of mine, Reese Saunders. Reese is... Uh, He's led the Burning Man team. He's been on staff uh, in the past with John Paul, uh, done, just an amazing uh, man of God and a friend. He's uh, going to be up at Scott's Church and thought it'd be nice if he can come down and visit with us. So the last Sunday in June, Reese's going to be with us. I tell you what, for a guy who only works one day a week, I'm really working this thing out pretty good, you know? <laughs> Get all my friends to come in. We got Josh Young coming in August, and uh, Marky Calendars, March 2011. John Paul will be here with us. I miss any announcements? Okay. If you have Bibles with you, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, um, I had started a new series of messages on relationships. I'd done a couple of messages on our relationship with God. And then uh, a couple of messages on marriage. Nadine and I did one of those together. That was a lot of fun. Um, the weekend after that, we kind of, we opened things up, and <clears throat> it was the, the week after we did the fair, the, the spring festival uh, on Wellwood Avenue, and we kind of shared our experiences on how we interacted with um, outsiders. I don't really like that term, but I can't come up with a better word. If you've got a better word, let me know what it is. But those who are outside the kingdom, how we interacted with them, and we kind of talked a little bit about how we relate to those people. I'll probably have more to share on that in, in that series, but, but not today. That was a good day. I still want to talk about, in, in this series, I want to talk about our relationships with our children. For those who, of us who have them, I want to talk about our friendships and how we relate there. Um, the messages that we've done so far, they're all on our website. They're all free. They're available online. You can go to thebridgelongisland.com and, um, and find them there. Last week was fun. We had the New Hampshire interns, uh, streams interns with us. Wasn't it a blast um, having those guys Friday night when they ministered? It was awesome. Boy, did they, did they help us uh, clean out this place on Saturday. And then um, Sunday was fun. It was nice to see all that God poured into them, and they poured back out on us. It was, it was a really good day. But today I want, I want to continue that series on relationships, <clears throat> and I want to talk to you about one of the more unique relationships in your life. I want to talk about your relationship with your pastor. Right. 
Ooh, got everybody's attention on that. All the heads popped up. Boing. Um, I know some of you guys follow me on Facebook. Uh, some of you read my blog. I, I written a comment on Facebook the other day. What happens when you disagree with your pastor? What happens when you disagree with church leadership? And I was a little bit surprised by the overwhelming response I got. I don't know, 17 or 18, I think between a couple of different things that went up there. It might have been 20 different responses, and some of them were impassioned. You could tell by the length of the response. And I'm not a real smart guy, but I'm thinking, oh, I struck a nerve here, you know? <laughs> I think I'm on to something. And so rather than ignore it, I thought I'd try in my own way uh, to address it today. And so what I want to do is I want to share some personal thoughts and insights, but then I also want to open it up to questions. If it's going to be real, then I thought it would be fun to at the end, to just field your questions and try and answer them as, as best I can, you know? There we go. I'll stay there. So if you're opened up to Ephesians chapter 4, please um, follow along as I begin reading in verse 1. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Boy, you could do a whole bunch of messages just on those three verses, right? But I'm not stopping there today. Let's keep going. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. He gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who ascended is the very one, excuse me, he who descended is the very one who ascended on high, then all the, and all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Well, Lord, help me today. <laughs> help me, help me, help me. Lord, I think this can be important. I think that this can be very helpful uh, to your people. So give me your heart, give me your words, and let your purposes be accomplished. Amen? So I, when I realized from the response I got on Facebook that I wanted to talk about the unique relationship that Christian believers have with their pastor, um, I decided I'd go on some of my different search programs and just type in the word pastor, see what comes up. I was very surprised to realize, really for the first time, that the, in the New International Version, 
the New American Standard Bible, the King James Version, and the New King James Version, in the New Testament, the word pastor is only used one time in all those different translations. One time. And it's here in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of surprising. I, I never realized that before. This is where it says it in verse 11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12 answers that. To prepare God's people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. For how long? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Are we there yet? Has the church, has any of us gotten to the place where we're all where we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're not there yet, right? Well, if we're not there yet, then we still need these gifts that he's... If I'm not reading anything else into this, right? Then we still need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, so if we need them, if we need these, then you know, what does the, a relationship... This is a series on relationship. What does a relationship with a pastor look like? How does that, how does that unique relationship, because if you think about it, it's kind of different than almost any other relationship you have. It might be similar to a relationship with your father or your mother, but then it's not really that. It might have some similarities to um, a relationship with an employer, but it's really not. Um, it has some unique distinctives to it. What does that um, relationship with a pastor look like? Well, what is a pastor? In Strong's Concordance, the word uh, poimen in the Greek means a shepherd, a shepherd of a sheep. It also means an overseer, someone who's, who, who has oversight over a group of people. Culturally, especially here in America, when we use the term pastor, what we're referring to is the leader of a congregation. Wouldn't you agree? That's you know, the most common application of the word. And people are called pastor whether they have pastoral gifts or not. It's just the kind of default term in, in most Christian circles. So it can, that can confuse how we relate to one another sometimes. A congregational leader with a strong teaching or prophetic gift, is going to relate very differently to the people under his care than a person will who has pastoral gifts. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. So, for example, hypothetically, you trip, you break your ankle, and you wind up in the emergency room. If the congregational leader over your group is apostolic, he may not even make it to the hospital room. You see, because when he pulled his car into the driveway, into the parking lot of the hospital, he realized instantly that there's a much more efficient way to park the cars. Okay? And a much better way to have a flow of traffic into the parking lot and out of the parking lot. So right now, instead of being in your room, he's in the hospital administrator's office writing on the whiteboard explaining how this will work. 
And now, if the guy who's overseeing your congregation, if he's prophetic instead of pastoral, he'll show up at your room, but he'll tell you, hey, I knew you were going to trip. And if you listen to me, you would never trip the broke your ankle in the first place. Now, what if your congregational leader is evangelistic? He makes it to your room, but he's not talking to you. See, the guy in the bed next to you, he needs to get saved. And he's really busy getting that guy to accept Jesus. The guy who shows up and he's not pastoral, but he's a teacher, he shows up and he explains to you all the ways ankles can break. And what's the most efficient way to get this ankle healthy again? He'll give you five points on each one of it. Now, hopefully, the pastoral guy shows up, he sits next to your bed, he's compassionate, he loves on you, but he's probably late because when he got there, there was some little old lady crossing the street, and he got distracted trying to help her. So what happens if you expect a pastor and a prophet shows up? Or a teacher shows up? Well... It's possible that your expectations are not going to get met and you may get hurt in the process. Most congregational leaders I know, they wear many different hats. And the good ones know which hat to wear when. Some guys only have one hat, maybe two. And they just can't do what they can't do. They can only do what God's given them to do, you know. So, staying more on the theoretical, a little less on the specific, Jesus is our perfect example in all things. Would you agree? And if he gave gifts to men, and part of the gifts he gave were pastoral, then I think we can look at Jesus and see the perfect example of what a pastor is. And so, how did Jesus do relationship? Well, I think there were circles of relationships in his life. At some points, he's, he is ministering to the multitudes. There's thousands out there. He fed 5,000, not including the women and children. There are thousands of people out there. And in one way, fairly superficial, he interacted with them. Scripture also tells us at some point he sends out the 70 to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick and cast out demons. So there is at least another level of interaction that he has with people that's on a small level. It, it might be about the size of our group, right? But then even among those 70, there were the 12. These are, these are people that he specifically selected for a purpose. But Scripture makes it pretty clear that even among the 12 disciples, there, were, there seemed to be three that were always with Jesus. It was James, um, excuse me, it was uh, James and John and uh, Peter, right? They seemed to be the more in... Jesus is in a circle, and an argument can be made that even among those three, John, being called the beloved, had some kind of unique and special friendship. So Jesus related with people, and there were varying levels of intimacy in those relationships. I think that's a fair and honest uh, look at Scripture. I think it's just practical on how human beings are capable of interacting. You can... The wider the group of people, the less intimate you can really be. The smaller the group of people, the more intimate you can be. And certainly Nadine and I have seen it in our lives in ministry, and I've watched other pastors, that there are 
there are varying circles of relationship. I think that's true of every individual. You know, there are varying circles. You have some people who are very close, and you let them in real tight, and then there are other people where maybe the circles are out further. I've discovered that you cannot force your way into someone else's inner circle. You could try, but you just can't do it. It's really, you have to be invited in. But though you can't force yourself into someone else's inner circle, you can invite other people into your inner circle. I think that's the way relationships work. I think that's the way relationships work in general, and it's really how it works with pastors as well. So Nadine and I have only been here a year, um, but there will, there will be people that will be closer with relationally than other people. But as your pastor, I have a relationship with all of you in one way or another. Okay, let, uh, that's more the, the general or generic. To be more specific, what about me? What about Tom as your pastor? Well, I wear a lot of different hats. I got different giftings. I can teach. Teacher is one of the hats that I wear. When I do the streams classes, um, I'm very much wearing the teacher hat. You know? when, we, when we taught on dreams here or how to do prophetic evangelism, I think most of those nights the hat I had on was more the teacher hat. I can wear the evangelistic hat, you know, especially when we do outreach. I was reading 1 Corinthians 3, and it's the part where earlier this week, and kind of like opened my eyes to something I hadn't quite seen before. And, um, and I think God just let me kind of see into myself a little bit. This isn't in my notes. This is a freebie. Let me just read this to you. If I can find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is uh, writing to the Corinthians and he's rebuking them, talking about the vision in the church. In verse 4, it says, When one says, I follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos, are not all mere men? What after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned each task. As the Lord assigned each task. Verse 6 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about it as it relates to me personally concerning evangelism. There are people who plant seeds. There are people who water seeds. And then there are those out there who, who harvest seeds. I've, I've discovered over the last five or six years, I love planting seeds. I'm not all that interested in harvesting them. I'm happy when harvest comes, but I have much more passion for planting seeds than I do for harvesting seeds. I think sometimes in, in, as I function inside the church, I water a lot of seeds, you know? But, um, but I love, I, that's my assigned task, God's assigned task. And when it comes to the evangelistic hat that I wear sometimes, I like to do the seed planting, you know? I have great faith, I have great faith that when I plant a seed, that God will take care of the rest and Something's going to grow, and harvest will come, you know? 
I honestly believe that someday I'll get to heaven and there'll be lots of people up there I never knew here on earth. But seeds got planted in their lives to things that God let me do. So that's one, that's one of the other hats that I wear. I know one of my other hats is, is prophetic. God lets me see things, and he speaks to me in revelatory ways. But it, with all of that, if, I, if I'm accurate with my own self-assessment, I think all of those kind of get filtered through my, through my prophetic gifting. Uh, my, excuse me, through my pastoral gifting. I think when I'm doing teaching or evangelism or even prophetic stuff, I think most of that, I think the biggest hat I have is the pastoral one. Um, I'm relational. I'm very relational. So I'll do things relationally. If it's prophetic evangelism or any other thing, I'll do it that way. In my humble opinion, I think a pastor should look a lot more like a father of a family than the CEO of a corporation. That's my humble opinion. It's okay if you disagree with me. But this is why I think that, because he's supposed to be leading a community, not an institution. If he's leading an institution, he, it may look very much like he's leading, like he's the CEO. But if he's leading a community, then the pastor, from my perspective, in my opinion, should look much more like and behave much more like a father, a good father, <laughs> a healthy father. How does that work in a really big church? Honestly, I don't know. I've never pastored a really big church. But maybe in a really big church, the pastor becomes the popper of the staff, and then the staff poppers the people. You know, Maybe that's how it, how it works. I've learned that when people relate to me as their pastor, other relationships in their lives come into play. And sometimes this is helpful, and sometimes not so much. Sometimes when people relate to me, it's impacted by how they've had relationship with other pastors in their life. And if that was a really good thing, then I, then I received the benefit from that really good. If it wasn't so good, well, then, then usually there's stuff i got to work through. Um, fathers. You know, if people had, it just seems to happen. I seem to push these buttons in people. I'm really not trying, but boy, I do it, you know. I know I've learned over the years that when I relate with people, as I relate to you, I may push your daddy buttons. And if daddy was good, well, then that, it's a happy experience. If daddy wasn't so good, <laughs> then I push those buttons, and it's not, it's not a happy, fun time for you and eventually for me either. Or really any male authority figure in your life. If you've had some negative male authority experiences, then um, it seems like I'm going to you know, have... That's going to be affected. It's going to be stirred up as people relate with me. So sometimes I get to reap where others have sown. Others have sown the seed, and I come along, and I get to reap the benefit of all, all that good stuff that's gone before me. Um, sometimes I pay the price for other people's sin. Um, early on in our marriage, 
It's okay if I tell this story, Nate? Yeah, okay. I've told this story publicly before, so I figure it's okay. But we're married um, about a year or so, and, um, and I remember driving home from work, and I stopped at a candy store to pick up uh, a paper and I think a pack of gum. And so I got home about, I don't know, seven or ten minutes later than I normally do. And I walked in the door, and Nadine was in my face. Rawr, 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 where were you? What were you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, whoa. Um, see, her dad had a bad habit of kind of wandering and doing things he shouldn't do. Now, I was only a few minutes late. I mean, even if I was doing bad things, there was no bad. I didn't have time to do any bad things, right? <laughs> I wasn't doing bad things. But in that moment, I was paying for her father's sin. You see how that works? I didn't do anything. Her father did things. But it impacted her, and it came out on me. So I know that there are times I will reap where others have sown, and there are times where I'll pay for other people's sin. It comes with the territory. I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of letting you, telling you the reality of how it seems to work. It can have a significant impact on my relationships. Now, I know I'm a bit outside the box, okay? I'm different. I like bubbles and crayons, you know? I know I see church functioning differently than maybe some of you have experienced in the past. My unique or unusual pastoral ways can make it more difficult to follow me. So what do we do about that? <laughs> well, I think it means that I need to communicate well. I need to make sure, if I'm going to be outside the box, if I'm going to be unique or unusual, then it's really my responsibility to communicate well. And if I'm not communicating well, then I need to communicate better. The other thing is, if I'm going to be unusual and outside the box, then I... I want to present myself in such a way that I'm as approachable as possible. If I'm a porcupine, I can't let anybody get near me, and yet I'm doing all these strange and unusual things, that's not really fair, is it? If I want to do strange and unusual things, then I ought to be like, you know, a warm, fuzzy little teddy bear that you can come and embrace and say, help me, explain what this means, you know? So that's my responsibility, too. I need to be approachable. And so, for the times that I've not communicated well, and for the times when I've not been approachable, I ask that you please forgive me. And I'm going to try and do better um, at both of those things. It's all good. I have a microphone. I can be louder than anybody else in this room. So just to, just to remind you again, when I finish the things I have to say, I really want to take your questions, okay? I think it would be good to, so we can, you know, so I can communicate better. Just some tips and um, some give you some pointers on how it might be easier to work with me. Just one general thing over the years that I've learned is that it's easier. It seems to be more effective when people come to me with their questions rather than their conclusions, sometimes things get stirred up. I may do something, you know. I may accidentally barbecue somebody's sacred cow, you know. 
And you're just thinking, why is he so mean? You know? <laughs> I may not even know it was a sacred cow. But um, if you come to me with questions, I found that it, it leaves for both of us room for dialogue. We can go somewhere. You know? Often when people come to me with their conclusions, it seems there are less avenues for dialogue. So I think I know that that works for me. You may find it's helpful in other relationships in your life, but if you come at me with your questions rather than your conclusions, I feel like we often have a place to go. And I want you to feel free at any time. Hey, Tom, why are you doing what you're doing? Many times I'll have a reason. There's some type of rhyme or reason. There's some type of logic behind the crazy things I'm doing. Other times I may just say, well, God said get bubbles, so I got bubbles, you know? And, you know, I'll tell you that as well. But I think it's good if we could communicate. But what happens if we disagree? What if we do all that? You come to me with your questions instead of your conclusions. I'm not a porcupine. I'm a little fuzzy teddy bear, and we're able to dialogue, and I communicate well, and you communicate well, and we still, we still find that we disagree. Now what do you do? Well, this is kind of where the whole Facebook thing came in this week. I put up status on that. What happens when you disagree with church leadership? What happens when you disagree with the pastor? Well, if we disagree, I would love for the default position to be this, that we'd sit down and have coffee and talk about it. And if we finish that cup of coffee, we'll get another cup of coffee. We'll talk some more, you know. But if we run out of coffee and we still disagree, then I think basically, I think that there are seven different options that are available to a church member if they disagree with the pastor and they can't come to some kind of agreement. There might be more. If you, if you could find up something that doesn't fit in the, one of these seven categories, let me know. I'll add it to my list. But I think these are the seven. You can stay in the church and just keep your mouth shut and continue to disagree. You might find that this works for a while, but only for a while. Eventually... <laughs> I think it's probably going to come to the surface. And depending on the nature of the disagreement, it may even be an issue of integrity for you. You know, it's like I can't compromise on this. So, but that's one option. You could just stay and just be quiet and choose to continue to disagree. A second option would be to stay in the church and try to influence change as trust is earned and favor is granted. You know, that might take some time. That's a good option. Maybe that's why God has you there, so that you can influence change. But it just makes some, may take some time. Maybe you're there to see. That's the second option. The third is that you can stay and change your opinion so that you agree with whatever the pastor's doing. That's an option. The fourth is that you can choose to submit. Ooh, we hate that S word, don't we? <laughs> Somebody once told me that submission begins at the point of disagreement, right? If you agree, there's not really much of an issue of submission. It's, a, it's when I disagree that it comes into play. But you can stay and choose to submit trusting God and trusting the leader. That's harder when you disagree, but that's one of the options. That's, that's number four. 
Number five is that you could stay in, you can make trouble. <laughs> right? You can gossip, you can complain, there can be innuendo. I don't recommend this option. Not only does it make my job harder, but it's re- usually it's rebellion, it's lawlessness, and it's going to get you in trouble with God. You know? A sixth option is that you can, you can leave the church and make trouble. Maybe create division. Take a whole group of people with you when you go. And again, I don't recommend that option. <laughs> Makes my job harder. <laughs> but it also tends to be rebellion and lawlessness. Um, if you feel like, hey, I've done everything I can do and I just need to go, then my encouragement to you is to wait until God releases you and then leave well. Leave with a blessing. If you feel like you must leave, then that's, that's your best option. The bottom line is this. With a pure heart, if you find yourself in that position with me, we've drank all the coffee we could drink. We've talked it all out. We still disagree. My encouragement to you is to, with a pure heart, ask God what he wants you to do. And then go do that very thing with humility and with love. Do that thing. I'm figuring you can't go wrong if you do that, right? And here, again, in my humble opinion, I don't believe that any church member needs or is required to or that there's a mandate that they have to stay under bad leadership or abusive leadership. I don't think anybody has to do that unless God tells them to. I can remember being in a really bad situation, in an abusive situation. And because my heart was, was so ugly in the situation, God wouldn't let me go until I changed my heart. And then he let me go. But as a general rule, if you're under a bad leader, why would you want to stay there? If you're under an abusive leader, why would you want to stay there? David left Saul's house when Saul started chucking spears at him, right? God didn't require that he stayed there. Neither did Dave put his hand to Saul. But if you're in a, in a bad situation under bad leadership, they're chucking spears at you, I don't know why you have to stay there. I do know in my past that I've, I've, learned, I've learned how to be a good pastor from good pastors in my life. I've learned the things that I want to do. And well, under bad people, <laughs> I've learned the things that I don't want to do. I hope I've learned those lessons. I have no doubt there's more I could learn. But I can't see why. At this point in my life, I can't see why I would ever choose to continue to stay under a bad leader. Unless God tells me to. Maybe I'm there to influence change. But it may take time to gain favor, to to earn trust. But just as, you know, there may be people who listen to this on tape. I'm thinking you're not under a bad leader. I just, you know, again, in my humble opinion. But there may be somebody listen, listening to this tape. Unless God tells you to stay under a bad leader, I don't know why you should have to. With that in mind, sometimes, pastors, we just blow it. 
Sometimes we just really mess up. Sometimes we're just having a bad day. And unfortunately, you get to see us on that bad day. Sometimes it's not a day. Sometimes we're going through a dark night of the soul. It's a whole long season that we're going through that's really hard. You know that that happens to us. So maybe it's not that you're under a bad leader. Maybe he's just going through a hard time. And I can tell you honestly, I've, I've had really bad days. I've certainly had dark nights of the soul. When that's happening with me, <laughs> really, that's when I need you most. You know? In my hard times, I need support. more than I need support on my bad day more than I need support on my good day. I need your love more when I'm going through a dark night of the soul than when I'm not. Doesn't that make sense? So as we're in a relationship like this, there, there's things that, as pastors, certainly for me, that we get and that we need from the people that I need from you. So some of you have probably seen me on bad days already. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but, boy, I hope you can love me on that day. I really need it. So I'm thinking, if I do this right, if I do this pastor thing right, my hope is that when you look at me, if I'm, if I'm honest enough, is I'm, if I'm real enough, if I'm humble enough, that when you look at me, that you'll see Tom first, and you'll see the pastor second. I would, believe me, both of us, we would much rather that when you look at us, that you see Tom and Nadine first, and that you see the pastor and the pastor's wife second. Because that tells me that we're having, we're having community. We're having real relationships. If you look at me and all you see is the pastor first, then I got to do something better. I got to change what I'm doing. There's rooms for things to improve. That's one of the marks that I look for. You know? I think it takes time to get there, but that's one of the, one of the, the touch points for me. And so I think there's probably a lot more that I could say when it comes to um, relationship, the, this unique, unusual relationship that most of you have with, with a pastor in your life. You know, we have, we have an unusual place of authority in people's lives. But it's an authority that you grant to us. It's not a, an authority that we get to lord over you. I have, I have no more authority in your life than you allow me to have. <laughs> I said you can leave if you want to. That's the, that's the truest um, support of that statement. But there is authority. When I pray for you, there's, a, there's authority. Um, so it makes for a unique, distinctly unique uh, relationship. And so, you know, those are some of my thoughts on it. What I'd really like is um, I'd love to field your questions. You guys, most of you here have been pastors for, uh, you've been members of a church for a long time. You've had relationship with a pastor or, or multiple pastors over the years. Maybe there's questions concerning this that you'd like to ask. Please ask me your honest questions. I don't care if it's difficult. Um, I'll be, I'll give you, I'm not looking for us to be publicly polite now, okay? 
I'm looking for us to be real and honest. I, I would love for us to go to a place of deeper, more honest, more loving relationship. And dialogue is one of the ways to do it. It's a, at least a step. We can always talk privately, but there are benefits to having a time where there's a community dialogue. And so this is that time. Does anybody have questions about this, uh, about pastoral relationships that I can answer for you? Who's going to be bold and break the ice? Matthew, wait, wait for the mic, buddy. Simple question. Um, my question is, if I need to call you mm-hmm. and get in contact with you, can I call you at any time of the day? Night, I mean 3 in the morning, any time? Yes. The short answer is yes. Good um, answer. Yeah, years ago, <laughs> Nadine and I learned that the phone needs to be on my side of the bed, okay? Because <laughs> I have a lot more pastoral gifting than she does. We, right. We had a friend call it. Did you say that for the? I said at three o'clock in the morning, if the phone is on my side of the bed, you better a be suicidal or b your house is burning down. You got that? A was your suicidal, and b is your house is burning down. Right. For Nadine. Yeah, we had years ago, early in ministry, the phone was still on Nadine's side of the bed. We hadn't quite learned this lesson yet, and. Somebody called at 3 or 4 in the morning, and Nadine answered, and they said, Are you asleep? <laughs> and she's like, Of course I'm asleep. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. That's, that's the day I moved the phone to my side of the bed. <laughs> so, yes, you can call me anytime. I have a voicemail. If you call the church number and you leave a message, it sends a voicemail to my phone. So if you have my cell phone number, call my cell phone number. If I... If, I'm, if I hear it in the middle of the night, I'll answer it. If I don't hear it, I'll call you when I wake up. But yes, you can call anytime. Anybody else? Okay, guys, be bold. Wow, you're really good. Matthew, a second question. I'm going to break the ice. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm loosening it up a little bit. Thank you, sir. Listen, I, I'm witnessing to someone, or there's a serious situation. Someone badly on, in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. I need you. I mean, it, will you come running if I need you to come running? I mean, how does that work? I mean, are you willing to just come on, on my word saying, I need you here, the minister? Yeah. If I can. If, if I can, I will. Uh, sometimes the circumstances of, of my life, whatever, if I'm meeting with someone else or... I don't have the, you know, the time in the day right then to get there. If I can come, I will come. If I can't, then I'll say, can we make arrangements to meet another time? You know? Greg. How much of your political beliefs are influenced into your pastoral sermons? How does my politics influence my pastoral? Yes. Hmm. Um, if at all. Does, does my political beliefs influence um, my, my pastoral ministry? I would think everything that I, that's in my world has some level of influence on me. Um, I enjoy, I really enjoy, especially presidential politics. When, when there's presidential elections going on, I can watch Fox News 
all day long. You know, Nadine's like, please change the channel. For those of you who know me, um, my political views are conservative, um, and I certainly lean, you know, to the right. But, um, and so to whatever degree, that's going to have some influence on me. However, I can, I have friends who are Democrats, you know. Uh, my son vo votes Democrat. I still love my son, you know, <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still able to relate to him in a very, you know, a good level. So, though politics will influence my worldview, it's not going to prevent me from relating to people. And I don't know that I've preached any politically, you know, political messages here. I'm not sure that I, that I would preach politically. But, you know, we've, I've certainly engaged with many of you uh, in discussion uh, on political issues. So does that answer your question? Put that just so we could be on the tape. Was oh, that correct? If there's a conflict between the politics and the um, ministry, if there's a conflict between politics, yeah, and politics is saying one thing. You said like you 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 on the right. There's a right and there's a far right. Uh huh. And I'm saying that it's it could be a conflict between that and and, and the ministry. Um, it could there could be. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to follow Jesus first. I'll follow him as best as I know how, um, above and before anything else. Um, and so if, if I find that there's a conflict between my political views and my walk of faith, well, I'm going to choose the walk of faith. Does that help? Okay. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. I'm, I'm trying to. Donna. Suppose your pastor is a porcupine and you're intimidated to begin with yeah. and you approach this porcupine pastor and you get stuck. Yeah, over the years I've met lots of people with porcupine quills sticking out of them, you know. And so sometimes I've had the benefit where I can lovingly help remove some of those, you know, those little pointy things, you know, out of people. Now, I know this too. Um, I've seen this reality over the years. Um, some people find it very easy to approach me, and some people find it really hard. And I don't always know why. Um, some people see me as a teddy bear. Some people looking at me at the, the, the same time and they see a grizzly bear. I don't always know why that's the case, um, but I know that that happens. I've just watched it happen again and again over the years. So I personally would like to be, I would like not to be a porcupine. I'd like to be the teddy bear and not the grizzly bear. I want to be a teddy bear toward you. I want to be a grizzly bear toward the enemy or anything that would threaten you, you know? Um, but chances are, um, what if you... What if you see me on a bad day? You see me on a really bad day. And, um, and I stick you. <laughs> and I hurt you. Then um, please let me know I did that. I, I'm asking you now, before, beforehand, if I hurt you, please let me know I hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. And if I hurt you, I want to ask for forgiveness. So please let me know. Does that help? Yeah. 
And if you have, if you have little porcupine quills stuck in you because of someone else that you've embraced, then let me know that too. And if I can, I'll try and help remove those and pray that they'll be healing. Jen. Um, sometimes I have friends who ask me questions that I can't always answer. Can you hold a little closer, please? Uh, what was that? I just want to be able to hear you. I have friends who ask me questions all the time who are not in the church, and sometimes I can answer them and sometimes I can't. Yeah. And uh, while I try and encourage them to come, sometimes I can't always win that battle. Mm -hmm. Is it okay to give them the number for the church and encourage them to call you and ask questions? Sure, you can do that. If you have a, a friend who has a question, um, you know, because you have a relationship with them, my encouragement would be that, you know, they'll, there's more relationship, there's more trust, there's more influence if they hear from you. If you're getting stuck on a question, you might try, it might, you might find it helpful that you can ask me the question, and I might be able to give you some helpful tips um, that you can go back to them with. But if that doesn't work, sure, give, give them the church line. Don't give them my cell phone, please. But please, get, you can give them the church line or the church email, and I'll, I'll answer the question if I can. Tony. Yeah, if we come to you and we, and we get the impression that you're a porcupine at that day, is it okay to ask you if you're having a bad day? Yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, maybe we even have language now. Tom, you look like a porcupine today. <laughs> and maybe I tell you, you know what, I'm feeling like a porcupine today, you know? And maybe there's a, there'll be other days that it'll be easier to talk, you know? Um, but, yeah, l let me know, you know? You certainly can ask, and I'll give you as honest an answer as I can. I know I'll have some bad days. Somebody else? Um, if you could be really honest, who really bothers you the most in the body? Who really gets to you the most? I mean, besides you? you, you you know that curly-haired lady I'm married to? <laughs> nah. I love her dearly. You guys are good. I tell you what, you know, I've been a pastor for a long time. Nadine and I, we tell this everywhere we go. People ask us, so how's it going in the church? And this is what I tell them. I've repeated this dozens of times. I said, you know, we came here. We knew it would be difficult following the founding pastor of a church. I said, but yet even as these people were grieving the loss of Rick and Kerry, these people that they love, even in the midst of their grief, they were able to embrace Nadine and I with great love and affection. And so you guys have really been wonderful. So I thank you for how you've uh, embraced us. You guys have really been good. Who else had a question? I'd always see another hand up. Candace. Um, just say that you got hurt from a porcupine pastor, whatever. Um, what's the difference or where is the line between talking about it and processing your feelings and the wrongdoings and then gossip? I guess it would be who you're talking to, you know? There are, um, there are healthy and unhealthy ways to communicate. So if you're talking to, if you come and you talk to me and you're asking for some help, hey, look, I am hurting. 
you know, uh, this person hurt me. What do I do about it? I think that that's healthy and safe and appropriate, you know. If we're writing it on Facebook for the whole world to see, maybe that's maybe that's less healthy. Maybe that's less appropriate. You know, I I don't know where to draw the line. Um, honestly, I don't know if there's a a hard and fast line. I know my heart. I know that there are times I've said things, and it felt like it was clean and it was okay. And then there were other times where I could just feel in my heart, ooh, you know, there, it's something just there's a check in my spirit or my heart sinks or. It just feels yucky, you know. I probably shouldn't have gone there. And I've, I've learned, personally, I've learned the boundaries by violating them. <laughs> I okay, I, I leaned against, you know, that boundary. I went further than I should have. I know I need to take a few steps backwards. And it'll be different for different people. Some of us, some of us process internally, okay. And so we're going to see very little outside. For other people, we don't process that way. We process externally, right? And so if you're an external processor, and I think you are, Candace, um, and that's not a bad thing, it's just the way we're made, then you want to make sure that you find a healthy, safe, and appropriate place to process you know, verbally. You know? I think the difference is who you're talking to. That help? Yeah. Somebody else? Any other questions? Again, if I want you to come to me, I want us to dialogue. You know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of talking about the hard things. I believe it's if it's we're gonna have if it's gonna be real and we're gonna have real relationship, then we really have to be able to communicate. Thank you, sir. It's the one one of my. You know, little life phrases. I believe that relationship is built one cup of coffee at a time. You know, and I don't think the magic is in the coffee, but that you sit there. <laughs> you know, for the length of time that a cup of coffee might take, or a couple of cups of coffee, and communication happens, and hearts are shared. I don't know that relationships ever get to go deeper if our shields are always up, right? If there's no dialogue that happens. I don't know. Maybe it's an Italian thing. I don't know if you can build relationship unless there's communication. And, and you guys know all too well it works better when there's food on the table, you know? Right. Anybody else have any other questions? Yeah? Peter. As far as um, when you have, if you're processing, I'm going to uh, follow up on Candace. If you're processing a situation, if you're processing, a, I'm going to follow up on Candace. If you're processing a situation, um, how do you, how much do you allow the process to go in your marriage? Like, so, so to speak to your wife. Do you consider that a safe place to process? Our spouses? Yeah, or is that a place of conviction? Uh, I think again? I think it has to be. Uh, if you know, I think our spouses ought to, in a healthy marriage, ought to be the safest place that we can communicate. You know, um, 
Nadine and I talk about just about everything, you know? Yeah, I still get in trouble for You didn't tell me about <laughs> right? Um, but if it's something that's concerning me or there's something that's going on inside of me and I need to dialogue, Nadine is, you know, my best friend and my closest confidant. Um, I guess it depends upon your marriage. You know, if you have a, if your marriage is a place where that can happen, then, wow, I strongly encourage it, you know. I think the spouse is, is a good place to do that. Anybody else? Chris. Um, actually, John was saying something to Sarah the other day, and uh, I thought it was pretty good, but I've seen this within churches and and um, relationships and stuff. And anyway, one of the things he said is, um, you can tell the real heart of a company, a ministry, a group, or a friend by how they treat the person, how they act toward that person when they are no longer part of the group. Mm. And I just wondered, like, I've seen, like, people cut people off and, and do different things, and I've done it myself by instruction. And... Um, it's confusing to me, um, that type of thing. And I, and I see it a lot in ministries, like this ministry. Oh, they do that. Oh, they do that. You know, and, and I don't know. I just, I don't understand. And what's your take on that? Like how to handle those situations. And, you know, it, it may sound like, you know, uh, uh, whatever. I, I can't even know. I don't even know what it sounds like. It might sound good, like, oh, it's wisdom or whatever, but there's like an underlining something wrong, and, and I just see it and hear it, and I don't know. It bothers me. And I've done it. I'm not innocent, but I'm just saying, like, you know how you say, we, can we all just play together, you know, whatever? But it's, I don't, I don't see how that happens <clears throat> so easily, and I just watch it, and it it makes me feel like a part of a divorced family, which I come from, and it, and it makes my heart hurt watching it. Because then it's like, hey, if I like them, then, you know, if I love, if I love my mom, I'm going to hurt my dad, and, and if I ignore my dad, then I'm going to miss a part of something I need, you know what I mean? So it's like just reconciling all the different factions or fractions within the body, it's... I just wonder how you do that. Mm. I know it's a hard one. Yeah. I don't know if there's a, any easy answer to that. Um, I think what most of my experience in, in church, in Christendom, is I think all too often we've seen relationships as disposable, much more disposable than I think they ought to be. And I think we need to get a lot better at that. Um, then the, and there's lots of politics you know you do something that you know that breaks the rules and when you you are in and now you're out and I've certainly seen what it's like when someone's out <laughs> I've been in <laughs> and I've been out you know it hurts a lot personally it hurts a lot when you've been in and now you're out so um, I know what it's like to be the pastor, and I'm kind of like the ruler of the domain of what it means to be in. 
and then when people are out. So I've been on both sides of that. I think we need to do better at it. And I think, um, I think some things can be really helpful. If we can truly embrace the reality that it's more important to love than it is to be right, and that's like hardcore for me. If it's more important to love than to be right, then I think we'll see a lot less when people are in and people are out. Because I'm going to choose to love. No matter what the circumstances, I'm going to choose to love. I think that'll help. I think the other thing will help is if there's freedom. It's not so much that people are in or people are out, that people are free to come and people are free to go. And so sometimes it happens because one or the other is not willing to let go when it's time to let go. Um, I don't think that relationships are disposable, but I think there are seasons of life. I use Nadine and my, my life as examples. God took us from New York to West Virginia. I had wonderful, deep, intimate friendships. I can remember before we left our house in Queens Village, holding hands with friends and crying and getting, you know, tearful embraces that were so tight I thought my ribs would crack before, before you know, we, we departed. And God sent us. It was time for us to go. We went to West Virginia. I'm still friends with people in West Virginia. I remember when we were getting ready to leave West Virginia, one of the ladies who had become a close friend of ours looked at me, and she was upset. She says, how can you do this? How can you just love people and then leave them? And she's having a really hard time letting go. This was my answer to her. I don't know if it helped her, but it helped me to understand. I said, I will love people with all I got for as long as I got. And then I'll go when the Father says go. And that's what I did for those years in West Virginia. I loved them with all I had, with, with all my heart, for as long as God allowed me to have relationship with them. But there are times to go. And there'll be times for people to go from one church to another church. That's not a bad thing. It's the season. It's what God's doing in their life. They've gotten everything that they could get in this one place, and now what they need for the rest of their journey is in another place. Well, then I need to be able to let them go. It's, it's better for the kingdom. It's better for them. It's what God's purpose in their life. I knew, it doesn't really apply here. Rick was here a long time. But I've, I've, wa- I've known lots of pastors over the years. I've watched them have long and fruitful ministries. But they stayed too long for like a year or two years too long. And in those last two years, they undid all the good they did in the years prior. It's good to go when the Father says go. I knew that we were done in Washington. And I knew who the people were to take over, Dwayne and Don Coffin. I knew because of visions God had given me, because of dreams that he'd given them, that they had what the church needed for the next leg of the, the journey for that congregation. I, I didn't have what they needed for the next leg of the journey. I needed to go, and they needed to step up. And so if we can do that well, then... I think it can solve some of the problems of broken relationships in the church. I knew when, um, I think it's important to leave well. <coughs> and this is, this is my little dipstick test, my little practical test, okay? If I can do this well, if I can leave a group well, then if I'm walking through Walmart and I see them, they're not going to duck into another aisle. <laughs> Or I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to avoid them. 
I don't want to have to do that. That stinks. But if we can love one another, <laughs> and I can release people to go when they got to go, they can release me to go when I got to go, then if we happen to see each other, our paths cross, it's not awkward. It's not messy. It's matter of fact, it can be a celebration. Hey, I miss you. You know? How's things going in a new place? And so, does that help at all? Have I gone anywhere near answering your question? Yeah? Okay. I think love is key. Love never fails. I think freedom is huge. Hugely important. Any other questions? Okay, if you have more questions, you can come and talk to me privately anytime. Send me an email. Send me a private message on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Let's pray. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, come. As a pastor, as a father, as a man, I want to say to everybody here, on behalf of pastors and fathers and men, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for being a porcupine when you needed a teddy bear. I'm sorry for failing to love you or even recognize that you had need. I'm sorry for making you feel like you were out when you wanted to be in. I'm sorry for barbecuing your sacred cow. I'm sorry for being mean and for being an angry pastor, father, man, when what you really needed was a loving pastor, a loving father, a loving man. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I ask that you would please forgive me and forgive us. And Heavenly Father, you said to the prophet Ezekiel that you would shepherd your people. Lord, I ask that you would, you would answer and you would fulfill that here in the lives of the people here. That everywhere that I've failed them or any other pastor has failed them, that you would come and be truly the good shepherd. That you fill in every void and every gap. every hole. And Lord, I pray that as we go forward from here, as this community goes forward, and as, as pastor, I relate to these people, and as they relate to me, Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us, <laughs> that we can do this well, that we can do this better, that it can be more healthy. 
I pray, Lord, that we would be a community and not an institution. I pray, Lord, that we would be family. Do that, Lord. I pray that we would live love, that we would love one another. Lord, more of you, more of your presence. Lord, I just ask that you would come and, and be Father, be Papa in this place. That the, your Father nature would flow in this room. You're pure and holy and perfectly healthy, fatherly love would wash over my friends, would wash over me and heal all of our daddy wounds. Heal, Father, please heal all my daddy wounds. Heal them. Lord, I pray to you, take us deeper. Take us further. Take us higher. Just feel his presence right now. Just feel like it's kind of weighty in the room. Work your work in us, Lord. Work your work in us. Lord, I pray that we would know the fullness of the freedom that Christ won for us. And we would walk in that fullness.